With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the 26th episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. I am Jill, and I'm here with Adam. Hi, Adam. Hi, Jill. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? I am doing fantastic. So tell us a little bit about today's episode. Yeah, so I had a little adventure earlier this week. I went to New York City to do a couple of really great interviews, and one of them was Brad Meltzer, who is the number one New York Times bestselling author of a bunch of books, uh, The Inner Circle, The Book of Fate. And he's also done a bunch of really popular children's books, like the um, I Am George Washington, I Am Amelia Earhart. He is in charge of all those. Uh, He also won the Eisner Award for a comic book that he wrote. He has a show on the History Channel called Decoded, which is really, really fun and entertaining. Uh, And he has a new book that came out just this week called The House of Secrets, which is a bit of a mystery thriller. It's really hard to put down. I actually talk about it on the podcast. I'm the type of person who likes to let a book breathe a little bit and take my time with it. I couldn't put this one down, so it was really, really entertaining. Um, And Brad is just the type of person, he's incredibly engaging and outgoing. I mean, he he has a show on the History Channel, so obviously he's very comfortable speaking in front of cameras and with people. And um, we have a lot of similar interests that I think people will be interested to find out about. Awesome. Sounds like it's going to be a good podcast episode then for our listeners. Yeah, I think people will really, really enjoy it. Um, like I said, Brad has a bunch of stuff available. You can find things by him for all ages of readers, whether it's you know, youngsters or people who are you know, 100 years old. So I think everyone will very much enjoy this. Again, his newest book is called The House of Secrets, and that's available now. Um, if you get emails from us about the latest content and our trending titles. You're actually probably seeing this podcast in an email all about the House of Secrets and and his new content. So um, as always, people can reach you and I at feedback at overdrive.com. We enjoy all those emails. We get a lot of really great stuff there. Um, If you want to rate us in iTunes and all that good stuff, we very much appreciate it. It really helps other people find the podcast if you rate it and give it five stars and all that good stuff. So yeah. Awesome. And be sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook as well to yes. get all the latest going-ons at Overdrive. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you can find us all over social media. And yeah, we're very available. So <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed this episode with Brad Meltzer. He was really wonderful, and you're definitely going to love it. Hi everyone, this is Adam from Team Overdrive, and today I am joined by Brad Meltzer, one of the few authors who has ever had books on bestsellers lists in fiction, nonfiction, advice, children's, and even comic books, where he's won the prestigious Eisner Award. 
Uh, he's a New York Times number one best-selling author of The Inner Circle, The Book of Fate, and a number of other best-selling thrillers. His latest book, The House of Secrets, is now available. So, Brad, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And so I like to start our podcasts with a introduction to our author's books that we're going to talk about. However, I feel like if I talk about House of Secrets, I'm going to give away spoilers on accident. So I'm going to let you give our users a little bit of an elevator pitch. Sure. Uh, House of Secrets opens with a woman who wakes up in the hospital and she has no memory. Mm -hmm. And she's been in an accident that killed her father, who's the host of a conspiracy TV show. Mm -hmm. The FBI comes in and says to her that the last person her father was seen with was found dead with an object stuffed inside his chest. It was a priceless book that belonged to Benedict Arnold. Mm -hmm. And she quickly, from there, finds guns in her apartment. She doesn't know how they got there. Mm -hmm. She finds scars on her body. She doesn't know how... He doesn't recall any of those. And she realizes that only by solving this murder will she figure out the truth about her father mm -hmm. and, more important, who she really is. She's the mystery. Right. And she is full of secrets. And that's where the House of Secrets begins. And I have to say, I am a reader who I don't like to barrel through complete books at once because I feel like it almost does a disservice to the author who spent so much time working on a book. In my mind, I'm like, I shouldn't spend one day. I should kind of breathe in this book and really think about it. I couldn't put this down. I literally finished it in one afternoon because you get through each chapter and they almost all in on a cliffhanger. And it's like, I well, thank you. And Kyle Goldberg and I both thank you. I mean, you know, this book is obviously, we wanted to build a really strong female character, mm -hmm. which was vital. And as always, I love putting in my favorite parts of history. Mm -hmm. So one of my obsessions for this book was Benedict Arnold right. and George Washington. And if you look, even though it's a modern day thriller, uh, but historically, the last moments between George Washington and Benedict Arnold are mm -hmm. some of the most heartbreaking in U.S. history. Right. And in fact, they say when Benedict Arnold betrays George Washington, it's one of the only times anyone's ever seen George Washington cry. Right. So Alexander Hamilton hands George Washington a letter from Benedict Arnold. In the letter, Benedict Arnold, this is in the book, mm -hmm. Benedict Arnold asks for three things in this letter. He says, one, don't kill my wife because she didn't know I was a traitor. Right. Uh, two, don't kill any of the staff. They didn't know I was a traitor either. But three, in one of the craziest moments of letter writing history, right. he says, um, can I have my luggage, my baggage, and my clothing? Mm -hmm. And like of all the things, you just put a knife in the back of George Washington, yeah. right? You're the most hated man since Judas himself. And the guy's like, by the way, can I have my stuff? <laughs> right? And, and George Washington actually sends it back to him. But here's the thing is, to this day, nobody knows what was in the so-called baggage mm -hmm. that George Washington sent back. Right. And I won't ruin chapter 85, uh, but if you get to chapter 85, you will see my answer in the House of Secrets. I like your answer very much. I love my, I, I'll I say like, I mean, answer. isn't that, but it's all, and that all really happened. And mm -hmm. then obviously I make up my answer. But when I made up my answer, I was like, oh, this is my fun thing. And then I realized there were actually people who have this theory out there. Mm -hmm. And so it's pretty amazing to watch, but it's it's really insightful about Benedict Arnold and what we view as, whether or not he's the true bad guy in the story. Right. And now this was your first collaborative book, correct? Yes. With so what was that process like for you? You know, it was interesting. I've never, um, you know, on the TV shows, we obviously collaborate a lot. In the comic books, we do lots of collaboration. And, and someone told me that um, when you collaborate, it's going to be much harder than you think. Mm -hmm. And it's you're going to hate each other by the end. And, and Todd and I were just emailing. Todd Goldberg is the award-winning writer. And, and I highly recommend his book, Gangsterland. But we had just a great time. And I think it's because uh, Todd has such, you know, he, and I'll credit this to him. He said at one point, he's like, my view of the world is that everyone, Brad, he says, Brad likes everyone and thinks that people are good. Mm -hmm. He's like, and I think everyone is going to murder you the moment you turn <laughs> your back. And because we were writing about Hazel Nash, who's this character who has no memory. Mm -hmm. And she finds out as she goes through the book that she, 
when she looks into her life, she doesn't really like the person who she used to be. Mm-hmm. You know, she's she's kind of pulling apart her old life and sees these guns she had and sees these scars and these tattoos she has. And she's like, was I a good person? Like she meets people and they're like, oh, no, she's back. And she's like, what I do? Mm-hmm. She doesn't understand because her memory is all has all been messed up. And I think it allows Hazel to be part me and part Todd, right? right? So she can be like the dark part of Todd mm-hmm. um, is her old life. And then the new part is like me trying to be, you know, whether she – and, and I, that's probably reading into it and doing a little too Freud with us. But um, Todd and I just have the same sense of humor and we laugh at the same dumb jokes, which are basically our jokes. Mm-hmm. We think we're in, in, inevitably super funny in yeah, our lives. think we're totally not funny. I can appreciate that. Um, and so – we just really had a great time doing it, and it was one of the best creative experiences I've been a part of. So sort of like a yin and yang, like you said, you can kind of you could kind of be Hazel's second chance. And yeah, and he, he gets to be her dark gets side. Gets to be her dark side. And we, I said it's like the literary equivalent of a peanut butter cup. Mm-hmm. That's what we were, and it really I know. And who doesn't love peanut butter? Cups? I was going to say everyone loves peanut butter cups. Um, now you've written books where you've researched with former presidents. Uh, you've authored illustrated children's books. Uh, you've written about heroes for your son and your daughter. For you, what's the most meaningful thing that you've ever had published? Uh, you know, I love that we do our kids' books um, because, you know, to me, I was tired of my own kids looking at reality TV show stars and loudmouth athletes and thinking that that's a hero. And I said I have so many better heroes for them, from mm-hmm. the TV show I do on the History Channel to the thrillers that I do. So I love doing I'm Amelia Hart. I love doing I am Abraham Lincoln. Right. Um, but there's still nothing, and I, and I love the, the work we do with Chris Eliopoulos. He's just one of my favorite people, our artist on the I Am books. But there's nothing like when you sit down with a thriller and you stare at a blank page mm-hmm. and you just have to fill and create a whole world. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to tell someone else's story, but there's nothing like the house that you build with your own hands. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're rewarded in different ways. I mean, I will say... There's nothing, however, like watching someone write us a letter, which we really got, that said, Dear Brad, this is the first year um, for Halloween that my daughter didn't go as a princess thanks to your book, I'm Amelia Earhart. She went as Amelia Earhart. Oh, that's amazing. And that's a crazy moment, yeah. right? You just never feel, in, even in your most narcissistic moment, that you're going to be someone's Halloween costume. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's pretty amazing. But I still, there's something about that blank page and, and creating a world out of nothing that's really special. Now, I might top that and go as Brad Meltzer this year for Halloween, and I'll send you... It's a really easy costume. You just have to be bald, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, and that, so, if, although one kid did go as, as me one year, they, they sent the picture, this poor kid. I was like, <laughs> I love this child because he's the nerdiest child. Like, the only nerdier child than that kid is me, mm-hmm. right, when I'm a kid. And he was literally dressed as me for Halloween with glasses and a ball cap, and that was my favorite. Oh, we've got to, I mean, I know he's a little kid, but you got to commit if you're going to. Oh yeah, shave your head. Uh, well, I'm okay with him. I'm a, listen. It's a kid. As an adult, you got to shave your head. As, as this was like an eight year old boy who like watched me on TV, and that was respect for me. See, but as a kid, you know that hair is going to grow back. I feel like as an adult, yeah, as an adult, you, adult, you, you, you yeah, right, right, exactly. Right. <laughs> you may not get a second chance. So you talked about um, you know writing other characters and and creating your own world is one of the things that you really love. Um, I know that you obviously have written comics. Are there any comic book worlds or literary worlds that you haven't tackled yet that you might be interested in writing about? I mean, I still want to do young adult. Mm-hmm. I, st- I really do. I mean, we've done fiction and nonfiction in kids' books. And um, and, I, and con- listen, I get to, you know, when I write comic books, I get to write the letters B-A-T-M-A-N mm-hmm. and put words in Batman's mouth. I mean, mm-hmm. on that day, I'm wearing my underwear on the outside of my pants, <laughs> right? It's, I mean, such That's great, but... I would love to still do young adult, especially as my kids are hitting that age. Mm-hmm. Um, and I read a lot of young adult, whether it's John Green or I remember reading Wonder when it first came out or even something as, now we all see it, but Harry Potter and the, young, or the Hunger Games. There's just something 
really magical about that age Mm -hmm. um, that I would love to one day tackle. So do you think if you get into a a young adult title, do you think that you would create your own world or would you do like a fairy tale retelling or? No, I would do my own world. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know what I want to, I know the story that I want to do. Um, It's just a matter of finding the time to Mm -hmm. do it. And, you know, in regards to that of you writing comic books and thrillers and fiction and nonfiction, a lot of very successful writers tend to stay in their own lane. Um, they'll find that they are very talented at writing mystery, and then they kind of know the beats they need to hit to create a bestseller, and then that's where they stay. You have gone all over the map. Was that some? <laughs> was that by happenstance, or was it just that you have passions for all these different things? Yeah, and- I mean, I feel I feel like if someone said to you. You know, we all we all have seen a really good, you know, independent movie mm-hmm. um, or a good foreign film or even a good summer blockbuster. Mm-hmm. But if someone said to you, you can only see romantic comedies for the rest of your life mm-hmm. or you can only see foreign films for the rest of your life, mm-hmm. you can only see independent films for the rest of your life, eventually it just loses something. And I remember years ago when I was starting out, a very famous author who has, you know, a very famous character that he used to write – uh, said to me, and there's a famous character that everyone knows and loves. And really? the author said to me privately, he said, oh, man, I'm starting a new whatever book. And, you know, he said to me, uh, I should say, um, if I have to write this character again, I want to put a gun in my <laughs> mouth. And that was heartbreaking to me. And I yeah. said, I never want to be, this guy's so successful, so far beyond where I am. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I never want to hate what I love. Yeah. And so to me, I just love, the, the fun of it is telling, what I love is one thing. I love a great story. Mm-hmm. And that story may be, uh, a story like a conspiracy story, and then we'll do the decoded book for that. It may be a children's book, and so it may be I am George Washington or I am Jane Goodall, which mm-hmm. we're going to do next. Um, it may be a fictional story, and it may have George Washington's invisible ink in it, and right. I'll say I want to put that in a thriller. But to me, a good story can be in any genre, and sometimes you just find a good story, and you're like, you know what, this belongs in this genre or this. And so I think it's just, for me, it helps me always appreciate what I'm in and never get tired of what I'm in. Because mm-hmm. I want every book that I write to be the better than the last one. And the only way mm-hmm. to bring that is with an enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. And I feel like to, when, the moment you go away from something you love, that's when you love it even more. Well, and plus, if you're going to write one character over and over like that, and then you get tired of it, you run the risk of having a misery situation where right. you don't want to have a, a crazy fan reaching out to you. And, yeah, no, you don't want your fans killing you. Yeah, you, you don't, don't want, want to like, get those you. ankles hobbled at all. That's the goal. <laughs> My goal, pretty much when I sit down every day, is don't have anyone kill me. It's a great goal. Well, it's like, if I could make it through life without getting <laughs> right, murdered by murdered. a fan, I've made it. Um, so Overdrive is a library company and work with public and school libraries every single day. And so something that I love asking all the authors that I get to chat with is, do you have a favorite or a first memory of a library from when you were growing up? You know, I just talked about this. Um, I was just telling this story. My uh, And I love that I get to talk to a librarian. Here's why. Is my life was changed by a librarian. So I can tell you that um, I'm the first in my family to go to a four-year college. My books were not in my house. Mm-hmm. Um, I had comic books that were there, but we never... My mom read The Star and the Inquirer. Mm-hmm. May she rest in peace. My mom and dad passed away. My mom used to read The Star and the Inquirer because she said all the news came from there. My dad <laughs> used to read The Sports Page. And that was all, there were no books in the house. Okay. But my grandmother was a reader. Mm-hmm. And my grandmother gave me the, the most powerful weapon anyone can give anyone else. She gave me a library card. Mm-hmm. And I remember in the Brooklyn Public Library, down the block from where she used to live, there was this librarian. I wish I, I you know, I, I tried to find her. I have no idea who she is. I'll never know her name. Mm-hmm. But I remember going to the library and she took me and she said, this is your section. And I literally thought she meant like these books were mine to right. keep. I was like, oh, these are mine. <laughs> 
And she introduced me to these people named Agatha Christie uh-huh. and Judy Bloom, mm-hmm. and my favorite authors growing up. And that woman changed my life, that librarian. Mm-hmm. And I owe her forever. And she gave me that love of story mm-hmm. that I, you know, I, I was, I had some, in, obviously, in comic books. I was always a comic book reader. Um, but, but books came always from the library. We mm-hmm. didn't have the money to buy. In fact, my first hardcover book I ever bought, I didn't buy it until I was out of college. That's when I bought it because I didn't have the money to pay for a hardcover book. Right. Um, and so I owe librarians forever. So to every librarian out there, there are all these people out there who you hand a book to and then they walk out and you're never going to remember their name and they'll never remember your name, but you are forever intertwined. They are all a part of your legacy and you change these lives without ever knowing it. I love that so much. Um, on a true. slightly lighter note, we need to talk about your experience with the Muppets and Sesame Street. A lot, yes. of, a lot of our listeners probably know... In our office, I have on my desk a Muppet that's kind of in my likeness that my friends got for me, and I'm obsessed with Jim Henson. You literally got to spend some time on Sesame Street, and you have a Muppet in your likeness. So now I'm just going to shut up for a little while, and I'm going to stew in my own jealousy while you share your experience about <laughs> So here's Sesame what happens. So, here, so I'm obsessed with Sesame I mean, the reason, again, beside librarians and my English teacher and history teacher is Jim Henson and Mr. Rogers. Mm-hmm. They were it. They were, I mean, I knew growing up those were the two. And I've been obsessed with Jim Henson ever since. And so there was a show called Celebrity Bucket List. Yes. And their definition of celebrity is clearly small because they <laughs> asked me to come on it. But they said you could do anything on your quote-unquote bucket list. And most people jump out of planes and they want to go be on Broadway or they want to do whatever these things are. And I said, I only want one. I don't have a bucket list. I said, I only have one thing I want to do. And they said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to go to Sesame Street. I want to take my kids to Sesame Street. And they were like, that's impossible. You know, don't you want to jump out of a plane? Don't you want to drive an RV? Don't you want to be in a trapeze? And I was like, no, I only want to go to Sesame Street. And they said, and they said well, what if we can't get it? I said, then I don't need to be on the show. My ego is okay. It's mm-hmm. fine. And a couple months go by, and an email pops up, and they said, you're going to Sesame Street. And so we go down to the Jim Henson workshop, um, and the amazing part was is Cheryl Henson, Jim Henson's daughter's there. Mm-hmm. And we go in there, and, and my kids, we, I walk with my kids. My kids don't know exactly where they're going. And I surprised them and said, we're going to Sesame Street. And they, you know, they were all jumping up and down because they were all little kids at that point. I think my oldest was 10 and they were, you know, they were like 10 and six and four. They were tiny. And we walk in and I'm just trying to be cool, right? (laughs) All you're trying to do is just be cool. right? And finally I turn around at one point and my daughter has Grover on her hand and she's making the real Grover, not some fake one or whatever, the real Grover talk. And now I'm like, and then I turn around and my son is sitting with the guy who operates Snuffleupagus. And he says to me, Brad, you want to you wanna show want me to show you how to do the trunk in the eyes? And I now have my hand in Snuffleupagus with him, and we're moving Snuffleupagus together. And I'm like, this may be the greatest moment of all existence. And the crazy part was, is then they said, well, who do you want to see? And I was like, okay, all bets are off now. And they brought out, and I was like, you know, Ernie and Bert and Grover and uh, Oscar and Ken, the Count. I mean, and they're bringing them out, and we're taking pictures. And again, all I'm going is be cool, be cool, be cool. And then <laughs> the, the high point of it all um, was they gave, they brought out these like blank Muppets to my kids. Mm-hmm. And they had these drawers that are filled with eyeballs, filled with noses, filled with mouths. Mm-hmm. And they said to my kids, like, build your own Muppet. And there we were building our own Muppets. And that was, I was like, oh my gosh. So, and, and the only thing that topped it is obviously someone out there then made a Muppet of me. <sighs> and, uh, and, the great part was is when they brought it in, they like held it up to me and, and I'm pretty pale 
but this was really pale, like right. ghostly pale. And he was like, oh, don't worry, I'll, I'll, t- I'll bring it back. We could dye it. And he literally dyed the whole Muppet to match my skin color oh so that my, my Muppet God. looked like me. And that's when you're just like, okay, I believe in the universe, right? Yeah. Any universe that can create this is a good universe to live in. I, and I have to say uh, for all our listeners, if you go to Brad's Facebook page, there's a picture of there, and it is perfect. I mean, it's totally me. And <sighs> that's the thing is I'm like, you look at it and you're like, it's kind of like when you go to when you go to the carnival or like someone's bar mitzvah and and basically there's like a caricaturist and they draw the caricaturist and they make your ears big, your eyes wide, and you're like, is that me? And then you're like, that's totally me. <laughs> mm-hmm. You realize what you look like, but I saw it in a, in a muppet in a of muppet. myself, um, which is great. I know that you don't have any more things you could put on your plate, but when you have some free time, I would like to start a professional Muppets Nerds podcast. You and I, I think oh, we I'm could just in. do this. I'm in. Like an hour we'll a week, you, we'll yeah. just talk Muppets can, and Fraggle Rock and the whole nine yards. I, I, on, on my DVR, at all times, permanently there is Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas, oh. which is one of my... And so we're working on a... I'll tell you after what we're working on, but I got Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas into it because it's like my sister and I, you know, the yeah. greatest songs of all time come from that. And, I, I'm, and you can see... If you really watched it, you know you can see just how good Jim Henson is because Jim Henson doesn't operate the the, the main Muppets. Mm-hmm. He does the side guys, like the right. guy in the kazoo, and you're like, wow, why is that guy so good? Yeah, and it's because Jim Henson is controlling yeah. him. And you're like, even on even on a minor Muppet, he steals the mm-hmm. show. He's so good at it. We actually, I'm the youngest of four, and growing up, we would come home after midnight mass before Christmas on Christmas Eve mm-hmm. every single year in my family. We would watch. I'm an Irish Jack Christmas. Christmas. Oh. I still, in fact, I it is. Per, I, I put it on maybe two weeks ago just because it's it, it literally is. Uh, Wash tub is queued up that mm-hmm. if you hit play, I literally rewind it to that point, and whenever I'm in a mood, I put that on here. Oh man! And then suddenly my whole day is good, and everything is good. Everything's right in the universe. You have no idea how jealous my siblings are going to be that we get to talk about this. Um, okay, so I like to end all of our podcasts with something I call the Nerd Nine. Mm-hmm. Nine quick questions, rapid fire. Got okay. to answer. I don't know what the answers are. Okay. Exactly. So, what's the last book that you read? Uh, Private Eye by Brian Bond. Favorite place to read? Um, I love reading under a tree. Perfect. Guilty pleasure. So, like, mine would be um, watching way too many episodes of Chopped or spending too much time looking at puppies on Instagram. Uh, I watch, uh, with my daughter, we watch Dance Moms. Nice. Uh, One place you'd like to travel that you've never been to? Uh, I still really want to go to Africa. I've never been to Africa. Favorite holiday? (laughs) This is great. We asked this question to my daughter recently, and we said, favorite holiday? She said, my birthday. And I'm like... The fact that you think your birthday is a holiday, <laughs> I was like, that's a perfect answer. So how is it not my birthday? It's got to be. Like, I love that you can turn your birthday. Only only a, a, like a 10-year-old girl can say that the greatest holiday is her birthday. So <laughs> Lincoln's birthday, Washington's birthday, and your own birthday. Perfect. Favorite movie? Uh, it might be either Empire Strikes Back or The Shawshank Redemption. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Favorite food? Uh... I don't eat it anymore, but my favorite food was my mother's chicken parmesan. There was nothing like it. And then that's actually a good transition. If you could have dinner with one person, alive or dead, who would you pick? My mom. I would pick my mom. My mom passed away. I would kill. You know, it used to be, I used to say Jim Henson. Mm-hmm. He was on my list. But I used to say even bigger than that was Mr. Rogers. Yeah. Um, but now it's my mom and, and, and my grandfather. My grandfather mm-hmm. gave me my love of story. He used to tell me this one story when I was little. And he would say, Batman and Robin were in the Batmobile. And they were... Uh, on the edge of a cliff and in front of them was a white van with the joker the penguin the riddler and catwoman were in the van he would say and then they caught him and i would say 
tell it again. <laughs> he would say, Batman and Robin are in the Batmobile. And he would just tell me this story that had like, what, 30 words in it mm-hmm. over and over and over. And that was a hero to me. Mm-hmm. Anyone who would tell that over and over. So I would take my grandfather or my mother any day. Perfect. And then just my last question for you, not, not rapid fire. You can have some thought into this one. Um, regardless of whether it's your thrillers, your comic books, your advice books, whatever it is you're writing, what do you hope readers take away from reading your books? Um, you know, everything I work on, it, it took me years to figure out. You know, when you write your first book, they get you get reviews, and then you write your second, you get reviews. And when you write your third, people start seeing what your themes are. Mm-hmm. And the themes you don't even know you're putting in it. Because you don't even, you know, I remember someone wrote to me on the internet back when the internet first started and said, I've read three of your books now, Brad, Total Stranger, came through our website. And it said, I've read three of your books now. Um, what are your issues with your father? And I was like, oh my gosh. And none of my books were about dads. Yeah. They were minor characters in the beginning books. Um, but I realized like there's stories we tell that we don't realize we're telling. Mm-hmm. And it took me almost 15 years to kind of figure out the theme of my own stuff. And I realized that my it's my core belief. I believe ordinary people change the world. Mm-hmm. And I don't care where you went to school and I don't care how much money you make. That is nonsense to me. I believe in regular people mm-hmm. and their ability to affect change in the world. And it's why I believe in Jim Henson and Mr. Rogers and a little otter that can sing on Christmas or um, you know, or even Superman mm-hmm. um and Batman. Like to me the best part of the story is not Superman. The best part of the story is Clark Kent. Mm-hmm. Because we're all Clark Kent. And we all know what it's like to be boring and ordinary and wish we could do something beyond ourselves. And so to me, whether it's the thrillers, whether it's the kids' books, the TV shows, whatever it is I do, I just hope people realize that these aren't the stories of famous people or superpower people or amazing people. They're the stories of what we're all capable of on our very best days. And I hope people take that power and realize that they really have a hand. That's perfect. Brad, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.